I've just got back late from Sorrento and put the kids to bed, all the rest of it, and I'm tired. And I shouldn't have done the following episode <laughs> in this state. Uh, I should have just gone to bed. But here it is anyway, and I can't be bothered even deleting it. Uh, and I, I couldn't resist doing one tonight just before I went to sleep. Um, I'm, you know, I'm hooked. I'm enjoying this. So even if my voice is a little croaky here and I meander about a little bit, uh, oh, who cares? Nobody's listening anyway. On with the show. I had to look it up. I couldn't resist. In the previous episode, I noted that I didn't know whether a cockatoo was a parrot and whether a parrot was a cockatoo. Uh, I suppose I could have thought about it, you know, but when I'm doing these podcasts, I'm just talking straight off the top of my head, so I haven't got time to sit and think, you know. Uh, But I looked it up and um, cockatoos are parrots. All cockatoos are parrots, but not all parrots are cockatoos. Okay, so a cockatoo is a type of parrot. And cockatoos uh, come from here in Australia and hereabouts in New Guinea up to the Philippines and that sort of thing. I actually checked Wikipedia. Okay, so that's cockatoos. And cockatoos have got a prominent, a prominent crest, I read, and a curved beak and are generally not as colourful as other parrots. So that's cockatoos. So now I know what a cockatoo is. So when I called this podcast a parrot squawking and then put up a picture of a cockatoo because I liked the image, well, it worked, but only accidentally. And there's nothing wrong with getting things right accidentally, (laughs) which is good because I'm going to be getting a lot of things wrong. Okay then, as I come into this, the second episode of A Parrot Squawking, now I'm going to operate on the premise that nobody's listening. I sent the first episode, just for fun, because I send my brothers and sisters everything, I sent a link to my brothers and sisters and my mum and also to my goddaughter, who's my dialectic partner, as I mentioned. Uh, My goddaughter and I, we share ideas all the time, as I mentioned. So I'm always going to share ideas with her because she so often comes back with great ideas in return. And I also happen to be talking to my godmother, and who's my mother's twin sister, and I sent her a link too. Okay, so, you know, that's my inner, 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 inner circle. Um, and, um, and, but, I won't be sending the podcast to anyone else. I definitely won't be sending it to nieces and nephews and things like that, the next gen, and I wouldn't send it to my children because they're too young to understand. Uh, 
So, I'll operate on the premise that no one listened because even amongst all those people, even my own mum won't listen to the whole thing, I'm sure, if any. Although she might, you know, she'll chastise me. Are you you listening, mummy? And Of course I'm listening to you, darling, you know. (laughs) Um, But it's a huge investment. You know, I spoke for about an hour and a half. Um, And... Who's got time? You know, if I've got an hour and a half to spare, I won't even listen to myself. You know, I had an hour and a half to spare just now coming back from Sorrento, back home. Uh, my mum lives in Sorrento, you know, I live in Essendon. And I had an hour and a half to spare. I wasn't going to listen to one of my own podcasts. Uh, you know, I, <laughs> I didn't even feel like listening to anyone else's podcasts either. I, I listened to... Uh, a random mix of um, classical music, as it turns out. Uh, so, you know, one is not in the mood to be listening to podcasts like this, most definitely. So I think it's a fair thing to say that, you know, my brothers and sisters and I are very close, but I don't even expect them, you know, and I, I actually texted them, I said, here's a link if you're curious or you know uh however i absolutely do not expect you to listen to in one bit of it you know and um that's uh, and that doesn't you know the the fact that they really won't listen to any of it um or maybe listen to five minutes and have a little bit of a giggle and a roll of the eyes that's great um but that'll be it all right so i'll operate on the premise that as i come into this second episode and a few minutes in that nobody's listening uh which is the way I want it. Uh, why am I doing the podcast at all then, if nobody's listening? Well, I kind of said why. I just enjoy chatting, even if it's to myself, seriously. Uh, there's a few things I do, I, I am saying to myself right now, there's a few things I do just to get my thoughts in order. Um, I like to write, and half the time I throw out the writings after I've, had the, after I've done the writings, you know. Because the act of writing helps me get get my thoughts in order, and the act of speaking out loud in a semi sensible way helps me get my thoughts in order too. Because that's almost like a form of writing for me. You know, it's like it's oral sort of version of writing for me. So as I'm speaking right now, I'm getting you know I'm I, I'm I am forced to step through my thoughts in a relatively sensible way because I have to uh, I have to structure them at least uh, in some sort of form being good grammar or reasonable grammar I, I, I haven't got the energy to um, set out these podcasts in a nice orderly fashion um, you know, I'd have to write something down and then read it out to make that happen uh, I don't want to go to that extent, but I do have to, you know, in the act of vocalising, I have to actually put my thoughts into at least a grammatical order. All right, so that's that. Now, what would I... So, operating on the premise that I'm the only person listening, um, what do I make of the first uh, episode? Right. Uh, oh, by the way, I kind of do expect that my children will have a listen to at least some of these episodes in 10 or 20 years, if they still exist. 
um, especially if I get, you know, hit by a truck or something. Because if my dad had, uh, who's passed away, if my dad had left something like this online, he comes from an he came from an era before online. Um, if he had left something, I'd be listening to it. I think, you know. Now the fact that my children might listen to this, hi kids, you know, you may be 20, you may be 25, you may be 30 by the time you're listening to this, and I may be under a bus, you know. <laughs> but having said that, you know, you may be listening, but that's that does not mean these podcasts are good. It just means I'm their dad, and you know, um, they might be thinking, oh, I want to listen to dad for uh, until they stop, you know. Oh God. I think I'll go and listen to something else. Right, now, what do I make of myself in the first episode? Because that's all I care about at the moment. Right, now the first thing, if, you know, I almost have to put myself into a different character to have a look at myself, to have a good hard look at myself, you know, take myself into the room of mirrors. <laughs> um, now, in the first, uh, for this entire podcast, I've given myself an alias. I do that, you know, I'm always giving myself aliases. They're not fake names in the sense that some people use fake names to obscure who they are so they can say things um, in a cowardly way online. There are people who do that, you know, they, they give themselves a false name and then they say something political or politically incorrect or, you know, something that will offend the other side and, you know, if they... and. But they're using a fake name to avoid getting in trouble for saying that, you know. I'm not one of those because I'm not trying to get in trouble. I'm not trying to be political. Um, uh, so, um, this is not why I'm using aliases. Uh, I'm using aliases for the same reason that a lot of people in history have used aliases, you know. And the obvious one that springs to mind is David Bowie, you know. He, um, David Jones, his real name was, and he called himself David Bowie, you know, mainly for marketing terms, but, excuse me, <coughs> but he did create a persona that was David Bowie, that was slightly different than his real character being David Jones, and his wife said that when he died, you know, and she said, you know, the world is mourning David Bowie, but I'm, I'm mourning David Jones, which I thought was lovely, you know, and then David Bowie in turn... Um, created an alias at one stage, you know, when his career was flagging, uh, called Ziggy Stardust. And um, he turned himself into, a, you know, an alien kind of rock star from outer space, you know. Um, someone that seemed to me to be a white Little Richard, you know, because I'm a huge Little Richard fan, in the same way that um, David Bowie was a Little Richard fan, you know, in our teenagehood, you know. Um, uh, not that I listened to Little Richard music, I don't think I could, you know. It's a, it's a terror, it's like being in 12 bar hell. But I'm fascinated by Little Richard more than, I'm not a fan as much, you know, I think he's an atrocious person, he's a fascinating person. Um, Alright, so, I create aliases, I've always done that. I've got another alias called Danny who wrote a podcast, who, who, sorry, who spoke a podcast, or who is speaking a podcast, I'm not, I haven't necessarily finished that one, um, called On the Histories of Ethiopia, and that guy's name is Danny Rame, you know, because I don't want to speak as myself, 
you know, I'm trying to sort of hop outside my own perspective. And then this podcast, I have, I am speaking this one from a char- from the perspective of a character called the Sporty Monk, you know, and that is one of my characters that I actually channeled uh, at one stage, which I don't want to get into. I won't even talk about it. Um, but you know, I've, I've I've had this character called the Sporty Monk. I've got lots of characters, you know. Now, so I need a character now who wants to do a critique of the first episode. In this sec- second episode, I want a guest speaker, you know. And I think I'll call that guest... I've got another character called Charlie Threadbow. So, just for fun, I'll, I'll pretend I'm Charlie Threadbow, critiquing episode one by the Sporty Monk. How's that sound? Nuts enough for you? Right, let's go. Um, now, the first thing I might think as... I look at um, this guy, the sporty monkey, in the first episode. Is that um, that guy? He was saying he was so zen, you know, and he seemed so relaxed. And um, and uh, so detached, you know. Uh, and um, I can't help thinking that this guy has not been challenged in his entire life. He is clearly living in a reasonably good socio-economic situation. He's clearly in some sort of privileged situation. In all of history, most people have lived, you know, short, brutal and nasty lives, as someone said once. But this guy, clearly, you can just tell, listening to him, that he hasn't had a short, nasty and brutal life. And just the way he talks, you can see that he's never had any trauma either. Um, he hasn't been tested. I can tell that. Uh, and I happen to know that as well, of course, because I'm too, you know, got one foot in each camp here. But put that aside. Charlie thinks this sporty monk is has just got it too easy. Um, and he's a bit critical of the sporty monk for that, you know. Um, sitting there so detached, you know, how would you like, you know, be zen like me, you know, but, um, but then, you know, should the sporty monk go out and, uh, and give himself a crisis on purpose? I doubt it, you know. Okay, so he, the sporty monk, that's his perspective. He's very lucky in the history of the universe to have one of the, to be, one of those, you know, 0.001% of people in all of history who've actually had a charmed life. Lucky bastard, you know what I mean? Um, but should he not have it? Well, he doesn't really have a choice. He just He's just got it, you know? And he could go off and have a nasty and brutal life helping others, but he doesn't want to. You know, all right, I'm critical of him for that, you know, but, gee, tough ask. All right, now... So, uh, you know, I find myself being a little critical of him. And, and when I think of people going through crisis, I usually think of that in terms of people going through crisis of the mind, crisis of the body, and crisis of the spirit. You know, this is just something I mean, it's nothing original. I'm sure a lot of people think like that. Okay. Now, crisis of the mind, you know, that might be something where you have had a traumatic experience in the PTSD sense, you know. Um, 
crisis of the body might be if your body has let you down you know you've got an illness and crisis of the spirit might be that um, you know something has attacked you at a spiritual level um, you know or an identity level you know the first one that springs to mind are the people the many people in history who have been victims of um, slavery you know and people who have been slaves in history all through history um, have had people own their identity they haven't owned their own identity and I can just imagine that's terrible you know and the, and the now because I live in the 21st century and because of the way the the political milieu is um, if someone says slaves, you know, if you were doing a word association and someone said to me, slaves, slavery, I would think African-Americans. Yeah, very first thing I think of. But um, I, I actually read a lot of history, or I actually listen to a lot of history and get involved with a lot of history. And I'm actually married to Spartans. Um, you know, um, my wife's a Spartan, uh, Greek, uh, of, of Greek extraction, born in Australia, but, you know. And... She's half English, half Spartan, you know. Um, and so, actually, the slaves of the ancient Spartans spring readily to my mind as well. And the African Americans, you know. They're the most high-profile slaves that I kind of... that kind of jump into my head. Now, and it makes an interesting comparison, you know. Um, but the slaves of the ancient Spartans, as far as I can tell, uh, were culturally similar to the slave masters. Um, you know, that Greek sort of thing, you know. There was no Greece back then. There was the Hellenic world, and they seemed to be of the Hellenic world. Um, and, you know, the, the slave masters were, you know... A certain section of Spartan society, and the slaves were—I think they originated in a city that the slave uh, that the Spartans conquered at one stage, you know. And suddenly, the Spartans had all these slaves, which were, you know, rather like themselves. Um, in today's terms, you would say the same colour, because everything's about colour now. But, um, but. The way that the Spartans reduced those their slaves to the status of something lower than pack animals uh, is, you know, because the um, the Spartans were very into eugenics and they applied that to themselves and to everybody else. Um, so uh, the way the wow the way that the Spartans took away what we would today call the humanity of their slaves was very extreme yeah, it's like Stalin and um, Gone with the Wind and all that rolled into one, all the worst type of slavery you can imagine all rolled into one sort of uh, group <laughs> and that's what the Spartans did and the Spartans were rather trapped by their own slaves in a way because once they Oh, that's a whole other story, you know. That's what... Um, right. So, and, you know, uh, African-Americans suffered a similar fate in 
not only in America, but, you know, other places too. Right, African-Americans in other places, I don't think so, you know what I mean. Right, so, I'd be rather, you know, um, and this guy, the sporty monk, who thinks he's so cool and detached, you know, which, um, uh, how did you get so detached, sporty monk? You know, it's because you've never been tested. Um, so what right have you got to flaunt your detachedness in front of others? Well, in the sporty monk's defence, he kind of isn't. He's not trying to flaunt it at all. He's just, I, mean, yeah, I think he said it in the episode, and you know, and this is what I have to grant the sporty monk in his defence, um, that, yeah, the minute I want to be critical for him, for his privilege, you know, his Western privilege, and he's obviously a male, you know, his male Western privilege, um, what some people call male white privilege, you know. Um, I could be critical of, of him for that, and I'm tempted to be critical of him for that. But then uh, he's cut me off at the knees a little bit because he's critical of himself for that. Uh, he was at pains during the entire episode to say he's had the top of his head sliced off and his whole society that he's been born into and brought up um, has shoveled all that stuff into his head, you know. And he said at one stage in that episode... Uh, I don't necessarily want to convince anyone of anything or to say I'm a good guy or he didn't quite say those words but you know I'm not trying to defend myself I'm not trying to be anything actually uh, I'm just I'm just uh, saying this is me and you know he was saying something like that this is me this is what I've had shoveled into my head and I'm just going to vocalize all of that you make of it what you will I'm not actually defending it you know I'm not saying that um, I'm not trying to protect, you know, I'm not trying to be defensive, um, I'm just saying, this is what's in my head, I'll tell you what's in my head, I'm not going to stand by it, it's just what's in my head, um, so, if, you know, to the extent, you know, people are curious about other people sometimes, you know, people, but usually people who've gone through some crisis, you know, a lot of TV shows and movies and all that sort of thing, really are about people that have gone through crisis, you know, some crisis of the mind or the body or the spirit. They've, they've been tested, you know. And most movies, and most sitcoms seem to be around, you know, about police or um, hospitals or law, you know, because in those settings, people are going through crisis. If you end up in the legal system, you've been through a crisis, you know. And if you end up in hospital, you've been through a crisis, and if you end up being either being a policeman or being at the other end of a policeman's baton, you know, you're in a bit of a crisis. You know? uh, if you happen to be a nurse or a doctor, you're in a crisis, you know, because you're constantly seeing people in who are very sick and dying and all that sort of thing, okay? So mind, body, spirit. Um, so those people are interesting. But the sporty monk is not interesting in that sense because he's never been tested. His mind, body, and spirit have not been tested. Uh, but what am I going to do, talk about if I don't talk about that? The only perspective... Now, I'm jumping about, you know, am I Charlie Thurbeau talking about this guy in the first episode called The Sporty Monk? Uh, um, 
This is all sounding a little bit like a, you know, the word is W-A-N-K, W-A-N-K, you know what I mean? It's sounding a bit like that, you know. But just roll with it if you can, um, because I don't think you're listening anyway. I'm only listening to myself. Right. Now, moving on. Um, In the first episode, I've actually got a piece of paper here because I very quickly scribbled a few things that I could remember that I had spoken about in the first episode in order to create this second episode. Um, And these are the only things I can remember. I'm not going to listen to the whole episode again. It was an hour and a half, for goodness sake. But um, I do remember saying that the English reached into their own reflections, uh, you know, Wilberforce and all that sort of thing, and came up with the idea of abolishment of slavery drawing only on their own sort of reflection. Wow. No, they were part of a whole enlightenment movement, which was even stronger on the continent um, and was stronger up in Scotland. I think England was probably the least enlightened sort of place in all of Europe. Uh, But I really, as far as I can tell, I think think they led the charge on the idea of the abolishment of slavery Um, and you know that's twice I've talked about slavery in this one episode which is interesting but that's fine right so the enlightenment was just a huge um, movement in on the on the mainland on the continent and all the great, most of the great Enlightenment thinkers were there, or in Scotland, but mostly on the continent. Uh, and England, they weren't there <laughs> so much. But as far as I can tell, I'm, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think Wilberforce and the people that were advising him, you know, I think the abolishment of slavery kind of movement did come out of England. You know, and they they were still they were part of the Enlightenment in that sense. Enlightenment in that sense, because uh, well, they might be the very first society in history to to ever think of abolishing slavery. Now, the English were terrible, terrible people, you know, and I'm part English too by extraction. Terrible people. Uh, no way can you apologise for them to them for all their slavery, slaving ways and their racism and all that sort of stuff. No way you can. But at the same time, sometimes terrible people, you know, there are good people within terrible societies. And, you know, it does seem the abolishment of, the idea of the abolishment of slavery does seem to me to have come out of England. Now, jump onto your Wikipedia and you'll probably find out I'm wrong and they got the idea from somewhere else on the continent, you know, some little Parisian thought of it, you know. (laughs) Um, But my working theory is that it sprang sprang out of um, England, um, you know, and and not anywhere else, you know. On the other continents, um, slavery, no one had even thought of abolishing it, you know. Like, you know, pick a continent. Um... So I don't think the English, you know, it wasn't a case of, let's say the Africans 
were down, you know, I don't think it was the case that the Africans were down in Africa thinking this abol this slavery really needs to be abolished, you know. And I don't think in the Middle East they were thinking that too, you know, this slavery really has to be abolished. And I don't think it was happening on the American mainland essentially either, and maybe not even on the continent of France. I know, now I'm going back a little bit before the French Revolution, I think. Think, am I? I may be getting things mixed up there. Doesn't matter. Point is, I think England led the charge, and I don't think, you know, and it wasn't a case of, you know, the English said, aha, light bulb, we should abolish slavery, you know, and it wasn't a case of Africa ringing them and saying, oh, we were wondering whether you were going to wake up to yourselves, you know, we've been waiting for this, we've known you should be doing that all along. Abolishment of slavery, you know, in the Middle East, I don't think rang England either and said, oh, about time, you know. <laughs> um, I don't think it was like that because I think the Middle East and Africa, they were right into slavery as well. They loved slavery, you know, they, they practiced slavery themselves, you know, all the different places in Africa and all that sort of thing and, and in other places too. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't say it was like that, you know. Um, I won't stray over to India and all that sort of stuff to quite understand the caste system and all that sort of thing, you know. It does seem to me the people who are cleaning the toilets, you know, the untouchables or whatever they're called, that starts with da the Daleks. <laughs> not Daleks, you know what I mean. Daleks? Uh, uh, there's a word. Um, sorry, I'm not an expert. Um, so, I do think the English came up with, the, with that, that idea and I don't think, you know. Now, I have heard people, you know, point out various people in history who have set slaves free. Cyrus the Great springs to mind, you know. He made a big splash at one stage and set all the slaves free, including Jews. Um, and uh, and he was, you know, quite rightly lauded for that. I have no idea whether he actually came up with the idea of abolishment of slavery itself. Or whether he just set the slaves free, which is a slightly different thing. Yeah, and there have been many, many, many cultures, and the Jews are, can be counted amongst them. You know, the Jews spent a lot of time saying, "We need to be freed from slavery." The Babylonians are enslaving us, and the Egyptians are enslaving us. You know, the poor Jews—they were a shepherd race in between two absolute superpowers. You know, it's like being a a shepherd race in between China and America right now, and um, having no power, you know. And Babylon and Egypt took turns making the Jews slaves. Now, as far as I can tell, and correct me whether I'm if I'm wrong, but these instances before the English actually thought of the idea of abolishing slavery, these instances were more a case of slaves not wanting to be slaves anymore. But not, but not thinking, not going that next step and saying that slavery itself shouldn't be should be abolished. It was more a case of we don't want to be slaves; we want to be the slavers, if anything, you know. So, um, a lot of cultures, I'm sure of it, you know. Um, uh, I'm thinking Egypt now, you know, and there, then there was the uh, the. Um, Kush people further down south, you know, in Sudan, in ancient Egyptian times, you know. And there was a time 
I think, when the Kush tended to be slaves of the Egyptians. But then the tide turned and suddenly the Kush were on the throne. They were the pharaohs and the local Egyptians were kind of their slaves, you know. So it wasn't, yes, nobody ever wanted to be a slave, but um, it was a case of we don't want to be slaves, but uh, we want, uh, you know, even England's got it in there national anthem England will never ever ever be slaves you know this is before you get what I'm saying um okay so that's that you know so um the sporty monk (laughs) as we're calling him um in episode once has never been tested like this he hasn't had his spirit stolen he's never been a slave he's never even felt even slightly like a slave He's actually always, you know, had a job and all that sort of stuff. He's done very well, thank you very much. You know, just a lucky, lucky bastard, you know. All right. Now, and his body, you know, yeah, fine, whatever. Okay. What was the other one? Mind, body, spirit. And his mind, oh, his mind is very suspect. But he's not aware of that, so he doesn't care. Okay. So that's that. Now, what else did I write on the piece of paper here? Um... Oh, flippantly, you know, I was sort of saying that on one level, uh, we Australians are young and free, you know, because we've got a young nation, not a young continent, you know, but a young nation and a free nation in the Greek idea of free, you know, uh, liberty, egalite, fraternity, you know, where where all that came from, Uh, the liberal arts, uh, that sort of free. Um, so I said, all right, we're young and free, but we're also young and uh, we're also ancient and free, but we're also young and trapped in our social constructions, and we're ancient and trapped, you know, because Australian culture is ancient. Now, I'm talking the nation state of Australia. I'm not talking about Australia broadly, which includes Indigenous people. Um, and... You know, I think that was a little bit flippant. Um, uh, yeah, and then I said, and the Aborigines are the same. You know, the Indigenous peoples, the First Nations, they're the same, you know. They're ancient and free, you know. They, were, um, they had a certain freedom before uh, Westerners came here, but they were probably trapped in their social construction. So they're ancient and trapped as well. Um you know, there's a whole episode in talking about um, the coming together of the two ancient cultures, the uh, what we call the you know the Westerners, um, an ancient culture called the Westerners, met up with an ancient culture called Indigenous people. You know, long lost cousins split up since forty thousand years ago, uh, and they come together again. And you know, that's a whole episode which I won't get into now. Okay, so I did talk about that a little bit, um, and uh, what else? And I'll just say one more thing. Um, I uh, was talking about the way that in Australia we tend to Australianize people's names. So, Horatio Fantasia the Essendon footballer. Oh, sorry, his real name is Orazio Fantasia, but we call him Orazio Fantasia. And Richard Wagner, the composer, we call him Richard Wagner, you know. 
and and so on and then I made a bit of a joke of it and um, noted how Orazio Fantasia himself calls himself Orazio Fantasia and thought that's fantastic you know and everybody was trying to tell us to say Fantasia and even he is happy to be called Fantasia now that by saying that I wasn't implying that um, there is any lesson in that for other people because as it turned out, Orazio Fantasia, Orazio Fantasia, he doesn't care. Clearly, he doesn't care if you anglicise or Australianise his name. So the fact that he doesn't care, it doesn't mean the next guy doesn't care. So the next guy might have, um, uh, you know, a, a foreign name and want to have his name pronounced the way he wants it pronounced, you know, in the old-fashioned way. Um, let's say the guy's name is, you know, Johann, Johannes Bach, you know. Uh, let's say you, you know a guy called Bach, you know, Bach. And he's German, you know, and he's come to Australia to live. And he says, I want you to refer to myself as Johannes Bach, you know. Now, so, you know, I'm not going to actually come down on one side or the other. But I guess if he wants to be called Johannes Bach, I actually don't know whether, I, you know, I'm tempted to say I don't want to, you know, I want to call you Johannes Bach. Um, and, but then again, there is an argument that you should call him what he wants to be called, okay? These podcasts are not about me coming down on one side of the argument or not, especially when even I'm not sure. I'd have to get to know the guy. I don't know what I'd do. Um, should I be forced to say Bach? Bach? Now, when I say, should I be forced to say Bach? My goddaughter has brought to my attention, and my wife did too, actually, um, a guy called Jordan Peterson, who I've only listened to clips they've sent me, but he's clearly saying that... He wants the freedom to call this guy Johannes Bach. Bach. He wants the freedom to call him Johannes Bach if he feels like it. And as far as I know, um, there is a movement afoot worldwide where eventually there, could, there might be legislation forcing you to call him what he wants to be called, Johannes Bach. And... This guy, Jordan Peterson, objects to that. Clearly. Now, it's not exactly, you know, the legislation wouldn't be... is at the moment, and I think... Well, I know. It's um, some Canadian legislation that says that if someone wants to be referred to by a gender-neutral pronoun, you must, or you can be what fined, I suppose, charged with an offence, criminal offence of some sort, misdemeanour or something like that. You know, I don't know what their system is. I don't think we have misdemeanours per se in Australia, but they might have them in Canada. I'm not sure. Uh, I think they're on American TV shows. Um, but I think this Jordan Peterson, you know, I know this Jordan Peterson is saying, look, you shouldn't legislate to force people to have manners like that. Okay, um, so 
I th- and specifically, I think it's about gender pronouns. Now, everything I said in the first episode, you know, maybe I'll do an episode on gender pronouns and all that sort of thing. Um, I'm not a fence sitter per se. I I just want you know, in these podcasts, I'm likely to just sort of say what's in my head in terms of the pros and cons of both sides. Uh, that's another episode too, you know, where I'm coming from there. You know, you might say, no, you know, um, Sporty Monk or whatever the hell your name is, Charlie Threbo, whatever your name is, you do not get to sit on the fence here. Tell us what you think, you know. And to which I'd probably say, I'm going to anyway, <laughs> you can't stop me. Um, and they'd say, no, no, it's wrong, you must not. And I'd say, oh, look, I'm going to anyway. I don't know what happens when people say, this is an outrage and you, you thou shalt not, you know. What, what do you do in a situation like that? Um, when people... I actually haven't thought along these lines before, but um, I don't... I suppose everything would have to become a criminal offence, isn't it? Because you can't actually stop people. Yeah. All right. Well, this is wandering off this episode. So I'll stop it here. And that was my very rambling reflection on episode one, uh, in which I kind of, you know, tried to have... I tried to step outside my own shoes and look at myself from another perspective. Uh, you know, obviously I uh, have no chance of being successful at doing that. Uh, I, can, I can get fairly close. I, I get closer than most, I think. Um, but you can't actually step outside. You, you're, I've actually had to think about this one. You can't step outside your own social construction. You know, like if I want to create an alias who wasn't me and really hop into that alias so that I can walk a mile in someone else's shoes, you know. I might call myself Diana, make myself a woman, you know what I mean, just to stand in the shoes of a woman to see what it's like, you know. I actually did create uh, an alias called Diana for a certain purpose, Um, writing a book at one stage, you know, under a pseudonym, sort of a reverse situation of Jane Austen who wrote as a man. pen, you know, pseudonym. Um, Now, I can sort of claim that I'm stepping outside my own perspective and walking a mile in a woman's stilettos by doing that, but I'm not really. You know, I can't pull that off because I still remember who I am even while I'm doing it. And I know this because if I did successfully pull it off, I wouldn't be able to even remember I existed. I wouldn't be able to come back. You know, you, I think you get what I'm saying there. Right, end of episode. Maybe that one was slightly shorter than the first episode, which would be good. The first episode can be the really long one, and this one could be a slightly shorter one. How's that sound? Good morning to me. Uh, Last night I did listen to this episode, you know, what I'd recorded, and, uh, well, not all of it, Uh, most of it, I fell asleep sort of three quarters of the way through, which starts to give me another 
benefit and feature of this podcast that I'm making. Um, if you're an insomniac, there you go. All right, now, uh, now I did listen to it and ah, it was all right, you know. At the start of this episode, I put a little introduction saying it's probably going to be a load of crap. Uh, and it was only three quarters crap, you know. I didn't listen to the other quarter. Now, um, but it does get, it did, there's one thing I like about it, speaking with yourself. Uh, this episode was about, you know, me criticising me. Me doing episode one and then me in episode two criticising me in episode one. All right. Now, just for fun and like an idiot, I gave myself two different names in order to do that. Uh, so, but point is, that's what I was doing. Okay, now, uh, what's good about it? I, I actually like it, uh, you know, and I find this podcast really relaxing, you know, uh, not being in the middle of public discourse, not really debating anything with anyone ever, which is my, uh, you know, my thing, as it were, uh, it's a nice little bubble, and, uh, and what I think I like about it... Folks, often when these episodes cut short, someone's rung me. Uh, Alright then, now, uh, so what was I saying? Oh yeah, it's nice. Yeah, what's good about this, you know, look... This is not as good as public discourse in some ways, you know. You can't have the country run. You know, most people in Australia are running the country. And that's all the politicians. They have to debate. I'm not against debate. They have to debate. And then all the activists in Australia are being activists. And you need activists. They're really important, you know, fantastic. Um, and, you know, even on social media, people are arguing things out, you know. And despite what I've said, uh, you need that, you know. And you need all of that. Um, people yelling at each other. You know, that's the way humans are. Uh, and, um, but there is so much of that going on, more, more of that than ever before in history because everyone has a voice, which in, in and of itself is really good. Uh, just give me a sec, I'll just grab my coffee. Just a second. Yes, which in and of itself is really good. Uh, the, the fact that the people have a voice finally, you know. It used to be just the, an elite that used to debate everything and make decisions on behalf of all. But now, seven billion people have got a voice, or maybe five. So, that is all good. And, um, and there's five, five and a half billion people with very strong political opinions, you know, taking sides. That's good too. You know, all of that is good. But here's my theory and feeling. We are in no risk of running short of people with opinions. You know, we're in no... So, uh, the world is, you know full of people very loudly having opinions so if I lived in a time where not enough of that was happening you know, I, I might sit up and have opinions and get into the political sort of milieu somehow you know I doubt that I'd be a politician I'd 
be a terrible politician. Uh, but uh, I lack passion. Um, but um, you know, I might get on social media and have an opinion. You know, but we're in no danger of running short on those. It's covered. It's totally covered. So I think it's and you know the whole idea of people telling you what they think we've got plenty of that we're not running short of it i can opt out and and not be risking the country at all you must say that's irresponsible and i said well no yeah all right but um yes maybe uh but um you know everybody's got to have you know, everybody's got to stand up for what they think and boom 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 you know well do you know what um there's a couple of things going on at once to make a healthy society. You need some people who are, you need a nice balance between discussion on how we should think things through and then we need robust discussion on what we think. But there's a shortage, in my opinion, of people talking about how we should think and how we should express ourselves. You know, there's not many people getting on social media um, just concentrating on keeping everybody in line in terms of logic you know and um, saying listen you know can you express yourself better because when you express yourself badly with bad grammar and bad expression when you do that um, you know you can get two good people one on the left and one on the right ending up screaming at each other not because essentially the differences in opinion are screamable sort of events opinions but because they're expressing themselves badly you know and quite likely too briefly you know, people try and come up with these killer arguments you know a, a meme they come try to express very complex ideas you know an idea in support of a right-wing idea and they try and do it in a pithy sort of meme you know and all the right wing, and it's too short because these things need a whole essay you know you need a whole essay and Twitter's not designed for that um, and Facebook's not even designed for that um, so people just go bang and they just say some you know uh, what would it be a right um, we should block all refugees from coming in Australia you know now, not even the right thinks that, you know. But people say that sort of thing. Oh, and some of them believe that, but, um, but it's too, they've been too brief. And then the left jumps in and say, bulldust, you know. They actually say worse words than that. You would not believe it. Um, and then the bulldust goes back, left, right, you know, attacks, boom, boom, boom. And it's not because of what they're saying, essentially. Um, I don't know very many people on the left or right who want open borders, totally open borders very few I, I in my own personal experience I only know one person and um she said that you know and uh we should open all borders and I said what how many refugees and she said all of them and I went oh, okay you know but you know <laughs> um yes um all right so that's what I'm getting at now what's nice about doing a podcast like this number one is I'm talking to myself uh number two uh, I can make an episode like episode one and not have anyone jump all over me, you know, uh, because even I am saying that 
Uh, I'm coming from a biased perspective in episode one, my, you know, my, my lucky life as a Westerner in Australia, um, with, who's never been tested. You know, I'm able to say that and then say things um, that would sound really, you know, oh, um, yeah, not very sensitive, really, I suppose, to someone who hasn't got that life, you know. Oh, you know, and I think it is insensitive, you know, to say, oh, my thing is my zen, you know, I can sit here and relax and have my little almond latte, you know, um, and, and I can engage in dialectics and blah, 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 all that sort of stuff, you know. Yeah, that's because you're not under the pump. You haven't got rockets going over the top of you. You know, you're not in the middle of a war zone. You know, you're so, you know, detached, you know. You know, and if I was on social media, I'd get smashed. Right, I'd get smashed. And probably rightly so. But the point is, for, you know, rightly or wrongly, I kind of like actually just sort of passing, just vocalising what's in my head rather than hiding it, being honest, if you like. So, vocalising what's in my head, saying, I've had a lot of crap shoveled into my head. Now, I need to think through all that crap. How do I think through that crap? Well, first, I have to admit what that crap is, you know. But this is me admitting I'm a bad person, you know. I'm amoral. And there's no need for someone to jump in and advise me I'm being amoral because I've jumped the gun on them. You know, I've told them, listen, I'm coming from an amoral sort of perspective. I'm about to say very bad things. They are things that are in my head, um, but I'm being honest, right? And they say, but the things you're saying, the things you're about to say are bad. I'm saying, yes, do you want me to lie? You know, these are the things that are in my head. I do come from a biased perspective. So what do you want me to do, you know? What I want to do is get that stuff, you know, um, get it all out on the table. This is what's in my head, you know? Um, Good things, bad things, and everything in between. And then that's episode one, you know? I call that episode one. And then in episode two, I do my very best, you know, um, to jump all over myself and take myself to task and criticize myself and now yeah that seems healthy to me you might say oh no you should actually get yourself into you know you should actually become a saint before you start talking i said i can't you know i know i should you know should but i can't you know um i'm too trapped in my social construction can't do it sorry you know, you can say I should, you know, I can parrot, I can parrot what you tell me to say, but how do I know that's right? Because you're in a social construction too. You might say, well, no, we'll give you all the rules about all the things you should be saying, you know, if, if you were uh, a right thinking sort of person, you know, and I say, well, from you, you know, um, but what if you're wrong too, you know? No, but we're not wrong, you are, you know. Uh, oh, oh, I'm a bit trapped here. Uh, you sure you're not wrong? You sure, you sure you're not in a social construction too? Maybe, you know, blah, blah, blah. Do you get what I'm saying? So it gives me a chance just to vocalize um, and not look for any feedback. And then to do my level best in episode two, to come in on that and criticize myself to the best of my ability. 
you know, and I even give myself a different name, which is just a gag, you know, which is just a, a trick, you know, doesn't work really. Um, and I come in and I do my level best to smash me down, you know. Uh, and I think that's kind of healthy. Uh, uh, and I'm wondering who else is qualified to smash me down or who is more qualified than me you know is it someone with someone this mythical person who isn't socially constructed you know this mythical person who's right thinking you know um some person who's got all their chakras and their uh, you know politics in order who uh someone who is thinking in a properly caring conservative way or a properly caring progressive way or a you know a properly uh, a properly good liberal way you know a, a conservative saint maybe can advise me or a conservative liberal or a conservative social uh, not what no um all right sorry a saintly conservative or a saintly socialist you know who's going to help me I'm out here on my own and just quietly I like it I'll call an end to the episode there because you know what I'm getting at I don't need to explain it right the way through and press the button and